Welcome to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with a special guest, Dr. Lindsay. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. For everyone out there listening who might not know who you are, could you introduce yourself? Sure, Robbie. Thank you for having me on. Um, my name is Dr. Jancy Lindsay. I'm a toxicologist and molecular biologist. Uh, I own a consulting company, Toxicology Support Services, and I, um, I consult in, in the litigation and insurance industry area, as well as to corporations to assess the toxicity of particular chemicals. So everything that involves into this pandemic. Well, a lot of the things. So we're looking at the toxicity of the of the genetic vaccines and and uh, the excipients that go along with them, the technology itself um, that rolls in under the area of toxicology, of course, especially because we bypassed a lot of the normal testing that would have been done in the toxicology area when we put these out under emergency use authorization. Yes, yeah, that's that's the point I always bring up when we talk about emergency use is like that's the only example I could really point to to why they would not look at other drugs like ivermectin or any of these other things is to roll out that emergency vaccine. Now, recently I had a vaccine clinic injury lawyer person on like me and you were discussing off air. Um, where he said vaccines are healthy, you need to get your shot there. Um, you shouldn't have to refuse mandates, it doesn't impart on your freedoms and a lot of things that really just didn't add up. Um, there's a lot of questionable stuff about this pandemic that I think a lot of people kind of have issues with. But my whole point is, like, you always have to say you kind of have to put it out there. I'm not anti-vax. Um, but at the same time, I would like the information and you get criticized if you just want all the information where I'm like, at any point in any concept in anything in our lives, if you ask for extra information, why would anybody put you up on a cross? And this is the one topic that seems to have been hijacked politically and somehow has been this whole social catast catastrophic event, I would say. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think um, it's ironic that you mentioned politics because I think that the same thing has happened to science that happened to politics about 20 years ago when all of a sudden it was politically incorrect to talk about politics. Um, it's a wonderful way to get people to not talk about important topics when you say that they're taboo. Now we've gotten into an area where we're doing the same thing with science. Um, you're not allowed to question the science that's been offered to you as the only science. Of course, scientists know that's crazy because science is continually evolving and we must question the science and, and it's proper to do so. One of the things that's really uh, confused the whole situation is the fact that these gene therapies are being referred to as traditional vaccines. They're not. Uh, so we've gotten this whole, well, you're anti-vax if you don't go along with this, you know, gene therapy platform. Gene therapy is not a traditional vaccine. Gene therapy is gene therapy. 
uh, these shots are gene therapy. Uh, they're also called genetic biologics. That's how they're licensed. Um, they played around with the words a little bit to get them in as a vaccine, but there's still a lot of languages to the genetic, biologic, and gene therapy in the licensing and all the literature um, by uh, uh, Sahin and, and Kiriko, um, I probably butchered her name, uh, who invented the technology along with Malone. They had a paper that came out that went through that. They had a whole section on how would these, uh, how, how would this platform be referred to where they discuss that it's a gene therapy and it might be called a genetic biologic, you know, would it probably be licensed as either a gene therapy or a genetic biologic. So, so there's really no question that that's what these are. I'm about to say, I always bring up that point when um, I whenever I said you can't compare this to the polio vaccine, because um, that's always the that's always the excuse or example people give you is that, well, you got the polio vaccine and that worked. It's like this isn't the same thing. This is a completely different version of a vaccine. This is something new that we were testing out because I don't know what the measures were behind it, if it was going to be more safe or if it was going to be a faster rollout because the pandemic was imminent. We had to figure out a cure so we can open back up and all these things. But there wasn't enough studies done. And even now you can't find the studies. Now, I remember in the very, very beginning before vaccine, like when vaccines, I guess, were first rolling out, there was a lot of issues, especially with friends of mine who were trying to have a kid were had dealt with so many um, issues with it, and they were worried about getting it. And there wasn't any data on it. There still really isn't a whole lot of data, but it's now being looked into. What I've started to find is that I'm finding more information overseas than I am over here. There's a lot of data that I have to go to like German research websites or Netherlands websites where they're like, why don't you have this? And I'm like, oh, we don't have it at all. All we have is you can't take this drug. It's a horse paste, but you can take this vaccine. And now they keep changing it and they're forcing it on people where I'm like, can I just see anything, even the bad stuff? It doesn't matter how small it is. I would just like to be able to have my choice. And then you end up getting put into a category of anti-vax and it's very confusing for people like me or just the general public that just wants to know where to go. I think it's meant to be confusing. Um, it's, it's also difficult for us scientifically because we have um, the scientific research coming out that is not aligned to what we're seeing in the databases. And so we as scientists who would normally go to the scientific research to try to look for some answers um, have found that that what's being published in the journals is just fraudulent and we can't trust it anymore. The, the British Journal of Medicine came out with something, I guess it was about a year ago, which, which basically said that about 80% of the studies that are being published um, are frauds. And this is what's happening uh, in the arena with the reproductive biology consequences of, of these shots. Here we have active databases like the DMED database and some others um, showing that there is an increase in you know, 300 to 500, uh, almost 600% increase in infertility um, reports that are being that are being made within the military in an increase. I think they showed 85% increase in spontaneous abortions. And yet there are papers published uh, that say that no, nothing's wrong. Uh, there's no, no increase in abortions, no increase or not 
I, I say spontaneous, but that's a miscarriage. Um, there's no increase in miscarriage, no increase in infertility. And we know that's just not right. In bears alone, we're at 4,000, in excess of 4,000, uh, let's see, 4,538 miscarriages reported into the bear system. And uh, the total in the past was like 56 you know, for the, or uh, for the past year. So I, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, well, what should people like me, the general public, I would say should be educated on, especially when they're trying to figure out what to do with vaccines. I mean, a lot of people don't have a choice in whether to take them, whether their work is implementing that, but it seems like mandates are kind of be stricken down. I think a lot of people are doing stop the mandate protests and rallies and things of this sort don't want to be forced to this, but any information when it comes to vaccines that people should be aware of. Well, here we're talking, there's on the one hand vaccines and on the other hand, there's the, the gene therapies. Um, it, as, as far as vaccines themselves, um, that, that is a whole nother ball of wax. Um, one of the things that the- Specifically argument... the COVID one, I'm sorry. I didn't, wanna, <laughs> okay. I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to throw that out there. I get that gets confusing, but that's how people kind of, it's the language, sure they change it up. Right, right. So um, with these genetic vaccines, I would tell people not to take them at all. Uh, because there are so many reports and so many holes. Uh, if the FDA is saying that they don't want to release Pfizer's clinical trial data and all of the scientific studies that Pfizer submitted to them for 75 years, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to figure out that something's not right. Um, the documents that have been obtained through a court order uh, they have to release so many pages a week now because they've been ordered to uh, are alarming. Uh, they're alarming on the reproductive front. We, we have a section on um, uh, missing information where it showed that uh, of the 28 pregnancies that were followed or 27 pregnancies, sorry, 27 pregnancies that were followed, there were 28 losses because one of the one of the uh, women was pregnant with twins. Um, somehow there's 200 and something that uh, of the 270 group that they lost track of, that they have no information for, which is just, you know, who believes that? Who, <laughs> who believes that when you're running a clinical trial and you have uh, people that become pregnant and they're part of your study that you just lose track of, of 80 some percent of, of, of the people. Um, it, there are so many problems and, and so many alarm bells going off that uh, you, you'd have to be a fool to take these. Um, and there's simply no other way to put it. We're trying to get the word out. We're, we're trying to warn people, but there's enough information out there right now that if people didn't hear from us, they should know not to take these. Is this information eventually going to come out? Is there going to be enough people speaking out? Because what I've seen so far is whenever I go and look for a study that says that this claim was proven false, 
you check the sponsored category of the affiliated category, and most of it involves the drug company that it is, I guess, being interviewed, I would say. It says Pfizer sponsored trial was by Pfizer. And it's like, well, I don't trust that. I don't really trust any of these giant government corporations that have literally outright called out ivermectin and any other source. First of all, when you get sick, Give me anything to make me feel better. Don't just tell me you should have got the vaccine. That doesn't help me. And they've banned all outlets. So I can toss, I guess, the category out of we're here because we care about you. Let's toss that out of the water because that doesn't make sense. Another one is this idea that, what was it? it, it you weren't going to get COVID. Then, okay, it's going to reduce your symptoms of it. Well, how would you know? Don't you need to have a crystal ball to use some future technology to predict that if it would? Maybe in some cases it does, but in the overall general consensus, you're telling me this thing is not going to have any adverse effects. I mean, everything has some type of risk to it. My issue starts to become is when they hijack the term science and they've taken the term science and they say that anybody that speaks out against this is going to get blacklisted from their affiliations or their institutions. They're going to be called a, a COVID miss information spreader or that anti-vaxxer or something like that, which causes people who do come across an alarming study not to even want to research the topic, all in fear that they're going to lose their credibility, they're going to lose their funding, and there's no point in risking their whole life, their whatever they got on the line, all because it doesn't fit with the narrative. We've seen that with Dr. Pierre Corey. I've spoken to Dr. Peter McCullough. These are people, Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough, 667 published medical articles, and they're calling him an anti-vaxxer conspiracy misinformation spreader. Now, I don't know, the alarm bells start going off and I go, why would you look for, a, if you're going to call this person a tinfoil hat, why would you look to him and publish 667 pieces of his work? It doesn't make sense where you start wondering what the grand scheme is and it boils down to money. But whenever you say that people call you a conspiracy person, and I don't think that's what it is. I think honestly, if you look at everything that's going on, whenever you see a, a ad for Pfizer or any of these things, they're a lot better at silencing the other voices than they are about letting their information out. And I've only wanted open transparency. I've only wanted open information. I just want to see all the data, even if it's good, bad, I don't care. And there's a lot of people out there that they're, they're going to end up tuning out. And I wonder if that's when they're going to start being real with people. But I think at this point, they have a lot of people out there who have already gotten it maybe twice got two shots of this uh, gene therapy and they don't want to get boosted, but their work might be mandating it. Their work might be requiring it. And it's getting in, into this position where I think it was a college campus that had mandates um, or boosters for mandate that booster mandates. And it's like, Whoa, like it, it gets to this point where here's a funny example. You know how many people took a picture of themselves getting a shot and they were like, I'm a good person. Now, imagine if someone goes, I'm going to go get my vaccine. I want to go get my shot. And they go and take a picture of it now. You know, they're not going to get love and admiration. They're going to get hate because people go, why did you wait so long? Why did you do this? It's turned into a social thing now where it's it's really scary. It's really I don't know what I honestly I don't I don't think I've ever seen it like this before. And it's not like this everywhere, but there's something here in the United States and somewhat UK, but Canada is now openly speaking about their vaccine issues. And that's the issue is that you can't sue the pharmaceutical company if something goes wrong. That's when I'm like, all right, hang on a second. Let me get all my uh, I's dotted and T's crossed here. Yeah, you, you bring up a really good point. If this was a car instead of a vaccine and the car manufacturer said, 
you know, uh, I, I'm going to use taxpayer money to build this car. And, um, but I'm not going to be liable for any defects in the car. <coughs> Excuse me, I just had COVID a couple of weeks ago. So I'm still getting over the, the crud. Of course, I took I, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, uh, both. <laughs> but um, if, if a car manufacturer said, no, I'm not going to be liable for, for any defects, uh, but you have to drive the car. You have to drive this car. You have no other choice. Uh, people would say, that's crazy. Um, I'm not doing that. I'm not driving a car that, that uh, you're not going to take liability if there's a, a part that's broken and, um, and, and you're going to force me to drive it. Uh, yet that's exactly what we're doing with these shots. Uh, people are allowing themselves to be injected with something that is a brand new technology that has not been tested properly, that is causing alarming rates of death. Um, and and they're, they're going to the slaughterhouse willingly. Um, it's, it's very scary. And it's scary for us scientists and doctors because we know that things aren't going as they should based on past best practices. There are lots of vaccines and drugs that have been pulled off the market uh, with just a few deaths. Uh, we thought for sure when, when uh, the CDC was reporting 14 deaths and 397 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis in 12 to 17 year olds, that uh, they would have to pull it because that was just so egregious. There was so many deaths compared to uh, what had happened with, with past vaccines being pulled that uh, we were all celebrating. Oh, here's, here's what's going to finally get these pulled and they're coming out with it and they're, in, and they're being transparent. So uh, surely there's going to be an announcement that says that they're pulling these off the market and instead, instead they approve them for another age group uh, of children, even lower. And we were shocked. Um, these agencies that are supposed to protect our health and safety and that of our children have been compromised. They've been fully compromised. And I hope that people can see around them that this is not really about health, that this is about another agenda, that this is about an agenda of control, that this is about uh, the Great Reset, frankly, that this all is about uh, the Great Reset. And, and they're not being quiet about it. They're not um, they're not mincing words around this fact. Klaus Schwab has a book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, that was completely written in the spring of uh, 2020. Uh, isn't that strange? You know, uh, I think it lands in this realm where people think it's not happening or the Illuminati or all these types of things aren't real. Now, I don't picture Illuminati and black cloaks. I don't do that. I picture monopolies. I picture people that found a way how to work the system the way that they want. And that's just capitalism. But the issue is, is that I don't think anybody really expected our medical facilities to really be captured by this as well, too. You know, we hold doctors and it's not doctors that are the issues. But when we say doctors, the people in the NIH, the people that are running these things. Now, I've talked to people who have testified with Fauci and I have brought up the point of vaccines and variants. I mean, when you get a variant or when you do something like this, whatever this vaccine, you want to call it a gene therapy, you get 
a variant when something changes to the original or something is added in. And I go, how many variants are we on? Four. Okay, how many <laughs> vaccines are we rolling up to? And then right before they could finish the four, there was a hesitant stop. And it's like, well, you should do your job and get your shot. And we're going to do studies and do all this. I'm like, yeah, but you're not doing studies fast enough. You're just, I, I get it if, 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 I mean, just like with the N95 masks, save them for the other doctors. That's why we told you not to get them or they're not effective. That was a lie, but people kind of understood it. But then now we're at this point where you say you didn't search all the other benefits of ivermectin or monoclonal antibodies. You won't even let people talk about it on YouTube all because you wanted to get this vaccine rolled out as fast as possible or this gene therapy as fast as possible. And they go, yeah, that's why we wanted it. I'm like, I don't, I don't like that answer. I really don't do not accept that. I think that's dumb that you're like, I'm going to look into it now. I mean, you have people that are still doubling down on this aspect of things and they're giving it to five and 11 year olds, which I don't have a kid, but I'm just like, look, man, we don't even give testosterone therapy or hormone replacement therapy is not recommended for kids at five to 11 or before they hit puberty. Cause they're trying now. And it's just like, I'm just at this point where I'm like, ah, I, I don't think everyone has enough information yet. I don't know what information that they can't predict. I don't, we can't predict the future as much as they like to try. And I think it puts a lot of people in really rough situations where, you know, it gets us to this point during lockdown where there was um, a friend of mine who does a podcast, he's in the UK and he would go take his second walk of the day during lockdown. And his neighbor said, this is your second walk. It leads to a social credit system, which goes back to what you're talking about with China, for instance. People were snitching on other people during this pandemic. And I think this puts us in a really weird, distorted perspective of what society is. You're on one side or the other. You see that with politics left and right. And I don't think that should leak into the health of the health and safety of the public, which is where we're at now. And I don't know where it's going to go, to be 100% honest with you. Well, you and I together, um, I, I don't know where it's going to go either. I'm hoping that enough people will wake up and uh, try to band together to stop this because there are more of us than there are the people that are trying to institute this stakeholder capitalism as Klaus Schwab likes to refer to it as. Um, basically, it's a, a, a corporate running of the globe of the world with a one world government, with no elected officials. Um, uh, even now we're, we're pandering to the WEF, the World Economic Forum, uh, that has no elected officials, yet they are dictating what we're going to do about climate change. Um, <clears throat> You know what we have to we have to reduce our carbon emissions. They they uh, the people that attend the WEF meetings you know fly around the world in jets and and expensive vehicles. They drive that that uh, emit all kinds of of carbon. They talk about plastic in the oceans and ban your straws while they lobby with the wa water companies to increase the output of plastic water bottles. Um, it's, it's nonsense. These people shouldn't be in charge of anything. Um, and we have to stand up. We have to say, no, this, this has nothing to do with a virus. This has nothing to do with a virus because SARS-CoV-2 has a 99.9% .9 survival rate overall. 
people forget that. Uh, it must be remembered. 99.9% for most people across the board. Uh, and really uh, for everyone, if you just take treatments like ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine that uh, work against the virus and have been published in papers to have worked and be effective long before any of this came out. Um, they work, we've got doctors who have treated thousands of patients, haven't lost a single one. And in the vaccine is not the only answer. Um, the genetic vaccines, this is all an excuse to get people used to being controlled. We can use uh, the threat of health to get people to comply with being controlled. And, you know, it could have been something else. They could have chosen something else. They just happened to choose healthcare to do this. A lot of it is the words we say too. I mentioned this probably about a year ago, actually probably a year and a half ago when lockdowns first kind of started, I guess it would have been two years. Um, lockdown and quarantine, they're the same thing. It's just one makes you seem like you're a good person and the other one's like you're a prisoner. I mean, I noticed that during lockdown where they were giving out $5,000 fines if you were caught outside of your house when you weren't supposed to be in the beginning. No one remembers that. I mean, they've went back and forth on cigarette smoking. You might actually not get COVID because it might protect you. Now, then it was CBD gummies and it was marijuana in general. And then they've kind of flipped all around the board where I'm like, how many people are trying to hop in on this money train right now where they're just tossing cash stacks out, all these lobbying going on? Um it gets very, it's very scary. I'm just curious, where can the public find education? Where can they look for resources? Because a lot of people like I can't get monoclonal antibodies where I live. I live in Maryland, the governor banned them. You can't serve them. You can't do anything like that. But I think this has to go down to, at least in my perspective, a case by case basis. You have to not this, the world has run by a template for so long. One thing passes for everyone. I think at this, it's up to your medical doctors. It's up to people to make the proper decisions. I didn't get vaccinated because when I went to go to the doctors to go for a checkup for uh, my GI, they were like, I don't want to really offer you to go get the vaccine. It's just, it's not, I'm not comfortable with it. I haven't seen a whole lot of data on it. And I'm like, but why is it up to one person to make a stand for you? You know, someone who actually knows you, you need better care. You better need a better connection with your doctors, but everything that's happened, a lot of people are scared to go to their doctor not because of the vaccine, but just because the lack of information, the trust is gone. There is no trust with doctors right now for a lot of people. They're looking at it like, I'm going to do my own Googling. I'm going to do this. But every Google thing that they find, the top results is telling you that it's 100% safe and don't listen to conspiracy people. And it's like, well, what about overseas uh, information? What about other scientists who are trying to speak out who might not even be anti-vax? They don't, they want you to get the vaccine and the booster, but instead they don't like mandates. Does that not sound like a person who's just saying you shouldn't be taking away people's choices, people's freedoms in a sense. And then people look at you like, Oh, you're just a right wing. It's like, no, that's not it at all. I really don't care about politics the same way. Our medical system shouldn't be caring about politics when it comes to making decisions in the future of your health and the future of your kids. I mean, we don't know what it's going to do 20 years from now. They're now starting to look into myocarditis now with all the people that have started suffering side effects from it. And I don't even know how those studies are running and who's funding those. That's an issue. I've talked to plenty of people overseas who are pointing out giant problems with masks and lockdowns. We saw the depression rate go up with lockdowns. 
it's very, very confusing. I don't know where you think would be an area of focus for a lot of people, not just with the gene therapy or the vaccine, but heading towards an area of where can people take a stand? Where can people start finding out information for themselves and being able to see the truth in it all? Because I'm pretty sure you probably have a list of databases or websites or people you follow in your head that just could find the correct information that when I go and search up COVID-19 panel, where Dr. Pierre Corey works or is listed, that doesn't pop up. That does not pop up as a top result. It's like page seven or page eight. And then you start getting into this, like how many people are scrolling through pages all the way to seven and eight? Nobody's doing that. Yeah, well, that's that's all about controlling the information that you're allowed to see. Um, it's the same thing with the media. In 2012, the, the Smith-Munt Act was, was reversed and propaganda was allowed to, again, be spouted by our news media and they're not liable. What that means in, in easy language is that they're allowed to lie and they, they are not liable for lying to you as long as they are promoting the government agenda. And that should scare people a lot uh, because we've caught the media lying several times. And so you should just assume, and I'll tell you this, you should just assume that what you're hearing from the media is not truthful. Um, you can get lots of information from scientists that are researching this and uh, other individuals that are working with the scientists and doctors around the world uh, by going to, to a few different sites. Steve Kirsch has an excellent substack where he's keeping up with a lot of the science uh, because he's connected to a lot of the doctors. He has a substack. Um, if you just look up Steve, Steve Kirsch, Moby and Saheed, uh, Dr. Bean. Uh, is really staying on top of the science. And he has a cartoon illustrated um, podcast that he puts out that's, that's really wonderful, uh, the way that he explains the science. Dr. McCullough has, has several pages and, and um, so does Pierre Correa. You can go to www.c19early.com. And there's a compilation of all of the studies on all of the different treatments that are out there. And it's a wonderful site. You can click on any of the, the uh, medications that are listed and see all of the studies that have been done on them in the efficacy of that particular drug against SARS-CoV-2. Um, there's uh, www.openvares.com, V-A-E-R-S.com. And you can go there to look at all of the adverse effects and deaths that have been reported. Um, they are categorized into different areas like myocarditis and pericarditis. You can see um, you can see past years, the, the, since 1990, all the adverse effects up to now and see the comparison graphs. Uh, one thing that's really startling that stood out, you were talking about myocarditis and pericarditis again, uh, is that in this year, in just the first four months of this year, we've already um, gotten up to 15,000 cases of myocarditis and pericarditis that have been reported into the system, where for 2021, the total was 24,095 cases. So we're already over half the cases in just the first four months uh, that have been uh, reported for, for the whole of 2021. 
Now, the vaccine compensation program was something that the vaccine uh, injury lawyer brought up to me. And he said it's a terrible, it's terrible. It doesn't, it, it needs to be improved. And that's where he was kind of pushing towards that we could kind of agree on. But there's only been 3,000 reports there. And I go, do you think a lot of people aren't reporting because they heard in the beginning that you could not sue these manufacturers of? Um, these, uh, this vaccine or Pfizer, whatever you want to call it, you can't sue them. So a lot of people aren't really aware that there was a vaccine uh, compensation program. I mean, maybe some people knew, I didn't know. Um, but a lot of people- You can't be compensated for these though, because they're under emergency use authorization. They aren't licensed. You can't receive a licensed vaccine. Comirnaty was licensed, but you can't, you can't receive it. It's not being produced and it's not being distributed. So uh, well, what the hell do you do if you get the shot and then you're, you're you, hurting? There's nothing. There's nothing you can do. That's the problem. There's you aren't able to use the vaccine injury program to be compensated because it doesn't fall under that category. Um, and that's precisely the way they want it. Uh, you can't get Comirnaty because if you could, then uh they can be shown liable for fraud. See, they, they can escape being sued, except if they commit fraud, okay? So if you can show that they committed fraud, then you can sue the manufacturer. But you can't sue them under if, if it's under emergency use authorization. So what do you do? You do a bait and swish. You approve a drug that nobody can get and you give them a drug that's still under emergency use authorization. That way you're not liable even if there's fraud. So how the hell do you prove that there was, I just, that sounds like the most confusing thing where you need like Joe Pesci as your lawyer or something like that to be able to figure it out. Uh, it, it, I mean, is Pfizer allowed in like other, I know they're allowed in other countries, but I wonder if they're available in China. It's kind of like, we know Google's evil in a sense. It has a lot of evil properties to it when it comes to curating information to what they want you to see and what they don't want you to see, but they're not allowed in China where I start wondering is like China's a, a, a one of those countries that is like authoritarian supreme. Like, I don't want anybody else's influence. We're going to make everything ours. And there's a large amount of reporting when it comes to companies that would go over there thinking just because they don't really speak English that well, that they could be able to manipulate and somehow get more money by working with China. But then China ends up owning their company. This was on the Hill with um, Sasha and Crystal. Now, yeah. is Pfizer allowed in China? That's the question. If they're not allowed in China, that should be your main thing of like, even China doesn't trust them in a sense, but somehow we've made, I, I I'm now starting to understand the full capabilities of media to be hundred percent honest with you. It's, it's pretty scary how the fact they've literally torn down the name of Ivermectin um, to a point where if you even mention it to anybody who hasn't taken it or who hasn't maybe researched into it, they just call it a horse medicine. And that's not what it is. It's had major qualities to it. And I think a lot of that mistake was that people did get ivermectin from a veterinary standpoint rather than getting one that is there's a prescribed version for humans as well, too. But even if you take it, people don't want to let people know they take it. Now, my issue there is, is if people say I took ivermectin and someone calls them a, a horse pace taker or something like that, something stupid that CNN runs off because they can. Now, 
that person isn't going to want to tell people what they took all because they don't want to get looked at weird for taking what people are somehow brainwashed to think that it is this type of thing. I think people are starting to wake up, but there's a lot of hesitancy across the board. People not wanting to report a vaccine injury in case it might induce vaccine hesitancy. And I go, you got to be honest with everyone because now somehow it's leaked into the public where even the public, like I mentioned before about getting your shot, imagine getting it now. There's a lot of hesitancy across the board of how people are going to view you. Yeah, well, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, the two banned drugs are extremely safe. Um, from a toxicological perspective, they're amongst the safest drugs that are out on the market. Um, ivermectin won a Nobel Prize for being such a promising drug in so many different areas. Um, it's an antiparasitic as well as an antiviral. I think it has uh, up to like 20 something different mechanisms against different viruses. And it's not just uh, the SARS or coronaviruses. Uh, it's effective against Lassa and dengue fever. It's effective against a number of viruses. And uh, I'll send you a I'll, I'll send you a report if I haven't already that I wrote for Dr. John Witcher, who was fired for giving his patients uh, or wanting to give his patients ivermectin in the hospital uh, to uh, to get them over COVID. Uh, it's, it's ivermectin versus remdesivir. And in that report, I go through all the studies that support the use of ivermectin for various viruses, and people can easily see that it's a potent antiviral. Um, it's, uh, you know, widely available in other countries. Somebody posted the other day, uh, they were in Mexico, and they say, you know, why, why does Mexico have ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine in, in every corner drugstore? easily available for purchase. And the United States, it's, it's a crime to even to ask for it in a lot of states. Um, That's, it's, it's, it's not about health. It's not about making you better. I know. Uh, if it was about making you better, then uh, when, when the vaccines show negative efficacy, and that's where we are, we're in the negative efficacy. It's not even about they don't work. Uh, they are now uh, doing the very thing that kept them off the market for 30 years. Uh, the reason why they never came to market, why coronavirus vaccines in any form never came to market was because of a condition called ADE, antibody-dependent enhancement, in which the vaccine actually made the, the uh, disease worse when the animals were challenged. And that's exactly what we're seeing in the vaccinated population right now. They are more at risk than they were had they not been vaccinated at all. So it's not just not working. Uh, it's increasing, greatly increasing their risk of, of harm and death uh, by having gotten the shots. Now, and uh, when they were UK doing and Israel data support that. When they were doing trials of this, did they use a different type of animal? Because don't they usually use rats or they use some other type of form, but they use something with some type of human tissue that was on it? Or is that coronavirus research or not coronavirus research? Oh. So they've used a lot of different animal models to study coronavirus research over the years. They've used rabbits and coronaviruses, by the way, have been studied since the early 60s. Uh, one of the first coronaviruses, um, yeah, I like to tell the story because it's kind of interesting, was found as a contaminant of a strain of treponema pallidum that they were studying. Treponema pallidum is, is syphilis. 
and John Hopkins had a strain called the Nichols strain of syphilis that was being shipped around the world uh, for people to study syphilis. And they injected into the testes of rabbits and they found that uh, to, to keep the virus alive, or, or sorry, to keep the spirochete alive, the bacteria that causes syphilis. And they noticed that some of these rabbits were getting a respiratory and, and infection along with, they called it a cardiopulmonary infection, along with uh, cardiomyopathy, heart damage. And uh, they studied that over the years and the heart damage was such a signature um, for this particular coronavirus that Ralph Barrick in 1992 published a paper saying, hey, we should use this particular coronavirus strain as a, um, as a model to study cardiomyopathy. And the reason why I tell that story is because uh, since the 60s, they've known that coronaviruses can cause cardiomyopathy cardiomyopathy. Yet when people started reporting that this was causing cardiomyopathy, there was some question as to whether that was true or not. Um, that baffled me because all you have to do is go back to the original research about coronavirus and you can see that, that there are tons of studies from the 60s that talk about coronavirus causing cardiomyopathy. So um, now that's in rabbits. Uh, in humans, it doesn't cause cardiomyopathy, the virus itself, unless you have a very severe case. Uh, the vaccine, however, and, and, and what causes the cardiomyopathy is the spike protein. So the vaccine, which is the spike protein, uh, causes cardiomyopathy. And we're just injecting it, especially in the 12 to 20, 20 or so age group, that's where it preferentially causes cardiomyopathy and myocarditis, inflammation of the heart, which, which doesn't go away. The CDC has studied it. Uh, you can go to the CDC website. You can look at their February 4th meeting slides where they show in summary uh, in, in one of the slide stacks, and I'll send it to you, that, that none of the patients that they studied, they studied 360 patients that were 90 days out and Dr. McCullough probably talked about this, 90 days out from being diagnosed with myocarditis, uh, they were 12 to 29 years old. None of those patients in the summary slide at the end had any indication by any of the tests that they gave that they were recovered or recovering from myocarditis. So the CDC knows that it's not mild. The CDC knows that it's not resolving. Um, yet they're telling you that it is. So on the one hand, you have their own scientists that have slide presentations saying that it's not resolving. And then you have the head of the CDC saying, oh no, it's mild, it is resolving. So- uh, So is the, is the spike protein, is that in every single shot? Like when they do a booster, does that up, because it says your protein or your immunity starts to fade um, after six months. So if they inject you with another one, it ramps up your spike protein. Is that just like, a one in four chance or one in whatever chance of getting uh, myocarditis or it, cause it seems like you're overloading the body system in a sense. Like it's not able to handle all what you're doing. You're jacking up its uh, growth or home, uh, protein spike 
I guess you're jacking it up and it's when it spikes up again, it might not be enough or it might be too much. It's hard to really guess measure the dosage of what each individual person needs. Is is that what's causing myocarditis in people right now? Is that what they're experiencing? So there's a lot to cover in that. First of all, with these gene therapies, there is not a static amount of protein that's produced by each person in response to each amount of gene therapy that they're given because different people react to the gene therapy differently in their own bodies. Uh, with the old vaccines, you would inject a certain amount of dead virus or, or uh, dead uh, bacteria, whatever you're making your uh, vaccine to, and you knew what that amount was going to be. These are different. Here we're injecting the blueprint into your body and asking your body to make the protein. But not everybody uh, makes the protein in the same amounts. And that's a problem. And it's in the message where it was supposed to stay in the, in the shoulder muscle and be made there and then presented to other parts of, of your body and your lymph to create antibodies. Instead, it goes to all the organs of the body, crosses the blood-brain barrier, goes to the bone marrow. It's definitely in, in the blood, uh, goes to the testes and ovaries preferentially, and uh, starts making spike protein there. And we're finding that it doesn't stop making the protein. Uh, it, we were told that it was only supposed to maybe last for a couple days, the message itself, the blueprint. Uh, and then it would stop, it would be degraded by the body. A recent study by Rolkin et al found that there's spike protein being actively made an active message in the germinal center of lymph nodes 60 days out from receipt of, of these gene therapy vaccines. The study was stopped at 60 days. So when they say uh, 60 days, that's just because that's when they stopped the study. It could be, you know, months longer. We have no idea. Uh, it's also getting into the nucleus. It's interacting with chromatin. We're, we're uh, getting ready to do some studies now to see if it's being integrated permanently into the genome uh, in, in the cells, in the sperm cells and oocytes. Um, we're in really, really dangerous territory here. Could it change, like, could it transfer over to if a person's been vaxxed and double boosted and whatever you want to say, all the way up to, they can get a hundred shots. Is that going to mess? Like if they have a kid, would they transfer anything onto their child in a sense? That's what we're getting ready to study. Yes, they could. If it becomes integrated into the genome or if the oocytes, uh, take this up through exosomes, uh, it's kind of complicated science, but basically the developing oocyte and developing sperm uh, take up little packages uh, or are known to take up little packages of, of mRNA. And if that mRNA happens to be the mRNA that you've injected uh, as a vaccine, the spike protein message, that they could take that up too. And they could integrate it into the genome uh, permanently. And then you would permanently produce a spike protein. But, but more than that, if you have the full message, more than that, you could cause what's called a frame shift mutation and cause for other proteins that are essential uh, for a variety of things to be shifted uh, in that they won't be produced properly.
the the proteins won't be produced properly, which could be lethal and or could increase your risk of getting cancer, uh, a variety of things. So uh, we now have evidence that this is happening in liver cells. There was a paper that came out where they showed that there was genomic integration in, in these liver cells of, of the vaccine in vitro, what we call in vitro. Now we're looking to see if that's happening in vivo. Um, I, I suspect that it is. So uh, otherwise Pfizer would have been a little more forthcoming with their own uh, data on this because they, they absolutely did do the experiments. Um, it, I just don't think they're releasing, um, they're releasing the studies. Do you think and, and another thing, the FDA has, as Dr. Weissman pointed out, David Weissman, he's one of the most brilliant scientists that's studying this. Uh, they have six laboratories that deal with gene therapies and genetic biologics in the FDA. None of those laboratories and none of those scientists were on any committees to study the safety and efficacy of these genetic vaccines. Why? Because their biggest sponsor, I would say, it happens to be these giant pharmaceutical companies that they're researching into. That's what that's what gets me is that when I'm on a website and it's supposed to be a government-run website, and then it says its affiliation or who it's working with or who it's sponsored by has a Pfizer or one of these giant corporations on it, I can't trust you now. Like I really hope that at some point they're going to force that you have to be very transparent with your data, but there isn't that, and there's a lot of like I'm not going to tell you about this. Or if you look, it has to be on some website that's kind of looks like it's run by like a person who is wearing tinfoil hat. And it's not that at all. It's real data, but Google will ban it or the Internet will try and find a way to block it or say you can't go to this. Or you're going to contract a virus. There are a couple of doctors that Pierre Corey had sent me. And I had clicked on their website and said, warning, the site you're about to enter might contain some type of virus software, turn back. And it only gives you turn back or safety options that takes you to your Google Chrome browser where I go. What about like, can I go into it anyway? Like usually you give me that offer. They do the same thing on Twitter and all these social media handles. If you unfollow somebody or if you follow someone who's controversial or something like that, it'll say, are you sure you wish to follow this person? At any time, they never, they, they never, they, that never pops up, but yet this will. And it becomes an issue where you start realizing that there's a complete silence of another side. And I, do you think at, at, in the next couple of years, there's going to be a giant overall, like we just need to focus in and tell people the truth? I think we're going to get a lot farther than that. Or do you think it's going to keep being this double down, double down, money pass in hand situation? I think that we're headed for uh, a disaster if people don't wake up and fight back. Uh, the goal is to completely reform society, uh, to make your, you know, to have a cashless society uh, all based on a social credit score that the government can control. Uh, if you don't behave, if you don't follow the rules, well, then you don't get to access your bank account to pay your rent, to get your food. Uh, you don't get to uh, drive a car. Uh, the goal is for you not to own anything anymore. Everything will be owned by the state. You will rent everything that you need, but you can't have it if you don't behave and you don't follow the rules, you don't obey and you don't comply. That's where we're headed. Um, people think, oh, that's crazy. That's, that's not happening. But all you have to do is look 
look around the world and see what's happening with, with varying countries that are adopting this, uh, this social credit system uh, and uh, moving away from cash. Uh, they're talking about it openly. You can find clips uh, at the World Economic Forum site where they're talking openly about the fact that, that we will not have cash in the next few years. <clears throat> they're also talking about programming the money so that you can only buy certain things that are approved with your own money. People must stand up. They must understand that there's a multifold agenda going on here. Uh, part of it involves health, part of it involves uh, or, or misusing health to try to get compliance. Part of it involves uh, population control and population reduction. Um, part of it is being mixed up with uh, climate sustainability so that they have a mechanism by which they can take away property and move people into city centers where they're more easily monitored. Um, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. It's it's very hard when something gets power to want to give up power. It doesn't. It's, I think it was only one recording of that in history, and it was way back in like ancient Rome days. Um, it's just something that where you have to be careful when you accept mandates, when you accept all these types of government moves for power. That it's going. That's going to become the new normal. You know, there was this new normal type mentality out there where people are like, I just want to go back. To, this is going to be the new normal now. Um, that is completely created. It's not real. There is you just you just live life. You live how you did before. You stop worrying so much. Now, there's a lot of people in my town, and my town's kind of like Florida in a sense. Like everyone's like, I don't really care what you do. Just go live your life and get out of my face type deal. Like back to America. Like I like it. Um, but you'll see people wearing masks. You'll see people. Some like uh, uh, doctors' offices will they like the mask thing. Um, now, there's always been a small portion of our population who has had that fear, who has been extremely afraid of everything in a sense when it comes to safety or when it comes to caring for yourself. And maybe they have a condition or something like that. But I don't like it on the other end either where people are calling them like you're a masker or you're you're making fun of someone for wearing it. I just want people to go back to a sense of just worrying about what things we need to worry about, which is being told all the correct information, understanding when our rights are kind of being subjected to in a sense. I mean, the fact that Biden could say mandates and now you have judges that are striking them down left and right and it's considered not unconstitutional. I start going, hold on a second. How is me forcing being to take something not against my rights like that's a that's a weird question but people be like why are you even questioning that it's like don't you should you shouldn't be crossed up if you are asking questions you should be given the correct information i think it lands us in this territory i keep repeating it over and over again but when you let these types of draconian measures which is what they are accepted into the mainstream they end up not stopping there and it leaks into what you're absolutely if you where's the, the saying of if you uh, if you have power, special powers, when there's an emergency, there will always be an emergency. And in fact, they've done that in Canada. They've permanently extended the state of emergency uh, over a virus with a 99.9% survival rate. You're more likely uh, as a child and as a young adult to die from drowning uh, or suffocation than you are to die from this virus yet it's remaking and remolding society. <coughs> um, there's, there's just so much going on with this. With the mask, 
um, they're finding microplastics from the mass in people's lungs now. They're, uh, so that's showing that they're dangerous. <coughs> and again, excuse me, because I just got over this a couple of weeks ago and it is, you know, it is a respiratory infection that will cause a cough. Um, Are you worried about brain fog? Like I had, I got COVID from someone who was double vaxxed and boosted. I'm not at all. Um, mostly I have an authoritarian or authority problem, but I have a sense of brain fog and it's been months since I've had it. There's some days where I'm like, really don't feel like I'm there. Um, now with a virus, a virus is alive. Uh, I'm just curious is like, is there something that's like, I'm not seeing that's eating my brain. I know that might be joking, but I'm actually kind of worried in a sense of like, I've seen studies now that are being done about memory issues, uh, with long COVID. There's a large part of that out there. And I think that only helps the increase in depression that's out there as well, too. I mean, I wasn't the best before. So afterwards, if you're telling me I got long COVID, that's not going to make me who I was before people go like, well, that's good. You get to be a better person. It's like, no, I'm worse. That's the bad part. It's like, there's times I have to stop a podcast because I can't physically talk. I can't get to this point where I can think there anymore. And it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit scary. And I, people will go, well, you should have got vaccinated. It's a bio, it, it is a bio weapon. Okay. I mean, uh, it, the Wuhan so thing. you, well, I, I, yeah, this, oh, look, SARS, this SARS coronavirus was engineered to be more dangerous than it would have naturally been. So uh, a guy named Dr. Bruce Patterson has found that the spike protein in some individuals can hang around in uh, what's called atypical monocytes for up to 15 months. 15 months was the end of his study at the time. So uh, it could be longer. So what... Uh, some of the scientists and doctors are recommending is that if you do have symptoms of long COVID and some of that's described by a brain fog, then you should take some medications which are able to block that spike protein from binding uh, to certain receptors if they're still hanging around and causing a problem. So there's, you know, the, the star anise, the pine needle tea, the uh, fennel seeds, um, you can take ivermectin low dose for long periods of time. It won't hurt you. Uh, just very low dose. Um, let's see what else uh, works. Uh, quercetin, quercetin, taking N-acetylcysteine uh, is thought to be helpful. Taking natokinase is thought to be helpful. So there's all kinds of uh, supplements that you can take that people have reported work. Uh, to help them feel better when they've recovered from COVID and they still have persistent symptoms. That's weird. When I asked for um, a fix to that or help with that, um, I was going to go visit Pierre Corey just because he has a clinic that kind of runs by it. Um, about it, dealing with these long-term effects. But when I asked my doctor about, Hey, what can I take? They just go, well, you can get the vaccine. You can get this. And I'm like, well, does that make, I already got COVID though. Like now natural immunity is now being looked into and talked about. Like we expect, like how, how do we ever get over flus before? And they would go, well, this is different. I'm like, yeah, but you're treating it like it's like that. And you're saying it's- When like, did it's you ever have to have multiple boosters for a vaccine so many within such a short period of time? That's coming. It's coming. I mean- I mean, they're going to end up doing it for us. They're talking about seasonal flu shots. It like, totally goes against the way- uh, people have to understand they've, they've got to think 
when you get a normal vaccine, you're supposed to have several years, if not a lifetime of immunity. And if your antibody levels fall after you get the vaccine, that's completely normal. They should until you're exposed again. Then your body remembers how to make your antibodies against that. So this whole lie that, oh, if your antibodies are falling, you know, that means you're not immune anymore. It's such a bunch of BS. Um, that's how vaccines work. You can't have antibodies to everything you've ever been vaccinated with running around in your body your entire lifetime, your veins would be clogged up. Uh, yet they're telling people, oh, your antibodies are falling. You must need another boost. Um, it's just, crazy well it's what what gets me is i know they're talking about gull and bar syndrome i think it's called i just i just i started having this thought of like if it is a gene therapy and it is messing with your cells in a sense and people say well it's to help you or maybe it, some people would say it's to hurt you i look at a concept of like but what stops like the cells from trying to fix what was just put inside of its body that's just trying to reprogram it or program it in another way? Like central nervous system, there's diseases that the central nervous system attacks itself. And I start going, is this something that could lead to that where you start having people that are having issues? Like maybe that long COVID is the fact that your brain's trying to fix whatever the hell's in your system and it's attacking itself in a sense. I mean, you're putting something new into the body and with, especially with not a lot of studies done on it, I would really hope that people are very cautious in their decision with that only because you don't know what can go wrong. And when something goes wrong, you don't know how to fix that. I've talked to plenty of neuroscientists who will talk about like this brain fog is kind of unexplainable. It's kind of this weird thing that we're not really understanding a whole lot. Like people have different varying symptoms with it. But then I go, what about like the vaccine? Like, what is that? And they just go, it's so hard to tell because your body is such a fragile thing. You don't know one little slight thing that could just throw it off um, its basis. You mentioned earlier about uh, with the vaccine, for instance, or the gene therapy, you know, it's like giving 24 kids blocks and expecting them all to build the same exact thing. No, they're all going to build something different without any direction. And that's kind of what this is. You're injecting a whole massive amount of people and expecting it all to end with one way. And it's, it's never been like that throughout history. No, and even um, reactions to other vaccines, there have been lots of vaccines that people have had reactions to, and you can just look in the VAERS system and see um, that, that there have been reactions to, to vaccines. Guillain-Barre, um, the swine flu vaccine caused excessive cases of Guillain-Barre back in 1976, and, and it was pulled pretty quickly for 23 cases of Guillain-Barre, uh, ended up being 53 or 56 uh, by the time they had pulled everything off the market and, but they were, they were deaths from Guillain-Barre, which is an autoimmune type of uh, nerve disease where your body attacks its own nerves. My sister actually had Guillain-Barre following a stomach virus that she got. <coughs> You'll have to excuse me, sorry. I probably need to take a cough drop or something, but uh, we also have a uh, pine, pine needle or pine blossom season right now. And we've got pine trees all around us. So I've got allergies on top of the leftover cred from COVID. But um, with, with this particular, the spike protein does cross the blood brain barrier. 
um, in the vaccines. And, and that's a real concern because whatever cells that it's taken up by, and this is, this is the spike protein in, in the genetic vaccines. Um, the way for the spike protein and the virus to get into the brain is, is, is through uh, a vagus nerve. Uh, and it's possible for the virus to also get into the brain. Um, we are seeing more complaints though with the genetic vaccines and them going to the brain and causing neurological damage. Could you have an immune reaction inside your brain that could be responsible for some of the brain fog? Yes, it's, it's possible. Viruses can cause uh, brain damage and, and inflammation. That's what they're calling the no smell for a lot of people. I know someone who hasn't smelled in a year. He's got no, no sense of it. And th th what they're saying is that he has brain damage. And he's just like, dude, I got brain damage from COVID. And I'm like, you know, you, you could talk and walk fine. They're like, no, but the smelling thing, they're saying that's brain damage. And I'm like, I had mine gone for six months. That was rough. I can't imagine never smelling. That's a again. long time um, to, to lose your sense of smell. Mine was gone for three days. And I thought Lucky. it was too long. I was in hell. But, I yeah, was like, I was everything taking, tastes like water. <clears throat> I was taking, I mean, it never affected my taste. I was taking ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, um, both. And then I was taking a lot of supplements that are known to be, um, you know, high dose vitamin C, high dose vitamin D, um, natokinase, NAC. I was taking a lot of mast cell degranulation, inhibitors. So Pepsid, Singular, um, Monolucast. Um, what else was I taking? D just all of these stuff. Oh, black cumin seed oil and quercetin. Uh, black cumin seed oil, which you can just get at a supplement store, is a, a great antiviral. And it can be used in place of ivermectin. Uh, I just kind of loaded up on a, on a bunch of stuff in safe doses to make sure that, that I tackled the virus quickly. Yeah. Um, with and I would encourage you to start taking some of those, um, taking some of those supplements and see, see if it helps. Try the pine needle tea, try the, try the star anise tea and, and things like that. They're great tasting teas actually. So. With, um, Everything that you like doing podcasts like you've done, doing other interviews and speaking out about this, do you find that you get a lot of like hate from people just because they have a certain narrative in their head? Because with this whole pandemic and all these sides and these narratives that are being spun, I've looked more at our medical system like high school. Like it's literally like a bully that's making fun of one person and no one wants to sit at lunch with ivermectin because they've literally blacklisted them. It's very, very weird. Like I, I when I look at it, I'm like, you guys are supposed to be adults, like mature individuals looking for information and trying to put it out there. But this is like high school stuff. It's not real. It's 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 fake. It's not going to matter in four years when you guys get out of here. But this they're they're making uh, declarations of things that are going to be set in stone in a sense. And I think people think it's going to be over. I'm like, what Matt, look at Sweden. Sweden is completely like, they're not, they're not talked about at all, but they're doing great. They never did lockdowns. Their kids are back in school. They don't, there's no mass. There's none of this type of stuff. And an article comes out saying, Oh, it's because of saunas. What the, f what is that? <laughs> what are we talking about? 
Yeah, being half Finnish, um, I'll I'll go ahead and say that saunas are are wonderful for you, <laughs> but that's not that's not why. <clears throat> it's because they treated it like any other respiratory infection, as I cough and hack here, um, and that's why they came out of it that way. And because they didn't apply draconian measures that have nothing to do with health to uh, to the situation. Now. Are they not also going into this uh, one world government uh, social credit system situation? Yes, they are. The, there's already been lots of moves um, <coughs> to move them towards that in their country. They're just using a different approach. And I expect that in varying countries, there will be a differing approach for different populations that'll all lead to the same, the same endpoint. Um, unless we stop it. And I guess that would be my final. I'm going to have to, yeah, have to I, get know. Off here, I feel bad. No, no, I'm, you, I'm just going to, yeah, you did. You did good and... for recovering from COVID. I, I took, it took me, I, I was had one bad day, but the rest of the time I just felt a little bit off and different, but I really appreciate you for giving me your time and talking to me on the podcast and everything. Is there a place where people can find you? And then any final thoughts you want to say to anybody out there listening? Um, Sure, I have a Dr. Jancy toxicologist mom on Telegram. Um, people have actually been very kind. I haven't had uh, any bullying outside, just a couple of, uh, and they were just really strange. You know, the, I didn't take them seriously. Um, I found that there's been more of a problem with bullying within our own co uh, community lately. Uh, from anyone that doesn't buy the whole snake venom <laughs> in the water theory, uh, which has been extremely distressing. Uh, there are some, some uh, like Dr. Jane Ruby in the community that have just bullied and bashed people that don't buy this 100%. And it's, it's, it's very disconcerting and it's very childish. Um, there are a lot of problems uh, with in my opinion, with Dr. Artis's theory on that. And uh, there is some truth to there being uh, an optimization of some regions of the spike protein with some areas that have similarities to several toxins. And that's about the extent of, of what I've seen that's proven with respect to any venom being anywhere in any of these uh, shots. So until something else comes forward, uh, that's kind of my stance. But yeah, the only bullying that I've seen lately is for people that don't ascribe to this, uh, this new venom theory that coincidentally, uh, they have a whole line of products out there that just happen to come out at the same time as this big announcement. Uh, a whole line of anti-V products that you can buy to treat it. Uh, disappointing to say the least, you know. Money's a motivator, I'll tell you that much. Well, it, you know, it shouldn't be here and it's, it's, it's really disappointing. But thank you for having me on. I know we kind of went all over the place and, and- uh, Welcome down to the blanks. Some, <laughs> I'll send you some resources that people can go to and I'll send you that ivermectin versus remdesivir report and people can read it and, and look at the science themselves. I have it fully referenced. Um, 
people can call me anytime or email me. And if, if they have questions for themselves or, or a family member, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make time to talk to anybody. So, uh, well, I appreciate it. And I'll link all the links in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And thanks for listening. To this episode. Likewise, likewise. Yeah, I hope you feel better. I want you to feel better. So I'm going to send you some, some information too from, from people that have sent it to me to help other people also. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank.